0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The top power washing crew in all of Arkansas is Winston Power Washing. Based out of Sheridan, Arkansas, Jackson and his guys are ready to give you your home, your business, your town, or anything. A new update, a bath, and way much more. With top equipment and fast work, Jackson can get your place ready to have you up and going and ready to impress your visitors. Go look them up today, www.facebook.com slash winstonpowerwashing. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. So hear me out. It's free. My father-in-law always says the only thing better than cheap is free. So take advantage of it. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit from your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So, it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all the podcast platforms out there. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to know to make a podcast in one place. So, download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to the Yellow Jacket Drive-In Studios for the Hog Talk Podcast. This is Jacob Davis and Ty Hudson, the Picture Network, for. Our Second episode, we have a pretty special show coming up tonight. Uh, I think you all uh, will enjoy our special guest, Porter Hayes, of sport and culture, uh, joining us later on in the show. We've got uh, the Fan Choice uh, poll that we had running on Twitter earlier today, and you guys asked, and uh, we asked, and you answered, and uh, y'all picked the Arkansas Regional Hopes, and uh, seeing where Arkansas is going to go, and so... Me and Ty, we've done a little bit of research and and seeing the possibilities of who Arkansas
1: might face. So, Ty, how you doing tonight, bud? I'm doing good, man. Looking forward to episode numero two.
0: Man, it's crazy. We had a good show last week. We talked a little bit about everything. I think we talked about recruiting and we talked a little bit about the uh, uh, basketball team. We talked some about TJ Hammond's returning to the football team. And so, I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, what we have in store tonight. We've got a uh, first topic off the board. I mean, you have the college basketball transfers, the addition of OU assistant Chris Crutchfield out of Oklahoma, Sooner Nation, a guy that had Buddy Hill and mentored Trey Young while he was there. Those Both of those guys were first-round picks in the NBA draft. So an incredible addition to the Razorback staff. Wouldn't you agree?
1: I, I like the addition. I mean, uh, it seems like everybody, you know, local media, national media, anyone who's picked up on the topic have, uh, have done nothing but saying Crutchfield's praises. And it seems like a really good addition for Eric Musselman. I mean, it's it's kind of bizarre. You're getting these these transfers, you know. And I, I thought when Musselman got here, it would be bing, bang, boom. You know, he'd fill out his staff as soon as uh, March Madness and everything. And, every you know, the dust settled and then I thought he would hit the recruiting trail and, and go after some more high school kids. And we know that they did offer some high school players and they obviously Eric Musselman was after these transfers, but he wasn't adding anybody to his staff. And, and you know, I mean, college basketball one oh one during a, you know, when you have a, a new coach come in or any sport for that matter, you come in and you fill out your staff, right? And right. instead he went the other direction with it. And he went after these, these transfers. And I, and he still managed to pick up someone like Crutchfield, you know, and from from Oklahoma. That's always it's it's really cool to see how he's kind of how he's approached this whole off season so far for for uh, you know year one for the Musselman era. But I like the addition, and I you know I know we're gonna talk about those transfers here in a minute. But Crutchfield is uh it seems like a pretty good pretty good grab for for Musselman to add to his staff.
0: Yeah, reading reading earlier this week, I came across something where it was talking about if Mus added a big assistant, it would bring in some good players. This seems to be the hire that Musselman needed in order for Arkansas really to get to the next level, to add more talent to the roster. I mean, you have a pretty good nucleus, I think, of players. I mean, Arkansas lost, what, 11 games by eight points or less last year? So if you even just get half of those wins back, that's an NCAA tournament team last year. And I absolutely believe that. Because Musselman I even said after watching tape, Arkansas has pieces. They just needed a couple of more to really make a run.
1: Yeah, I I do think he's got some pieces to work with. Obviously, Isaiah Joe's the the big name that they have here. And I think Cheney, who knows what Chaney could develop into playing inside. But um, in this system, you kind of wonder, will these guys respond to Eric Musselman? I did a video just this last week, actually, about this very topic, about whether or not you know, if 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 year one w- was the year and if, if these guys responded, then they could very well be a tournament team. And now you bring in these, these transfers, and again, I know we're going to talk about them in just a second, but when you talk about their nucleus right now, I, I like what they have, but I, I don't know if it's tournament worthy or not yet, especially without Daniel Gafford. You know, last year that nucleus worked well when you had Gafford being fed inside and when they were at their work or at their, weakest points is when they got away from getting Gafford the ball and i know everyone loves to point to what they did in the nits without gafford And i'm like look look at who they played a team that didn't even belong in the nits like when you're not good enough to be in the nits that's saying a lot <laughs> yes they did look good against them uh and they did look good against indiana without gafford they still lost i still want it's wonder the NIT, the, though it is it's the nits and and I just wonder if the pieces that he has are going to mesh well with his, with his coaching style and with his, you know, with his blueprints to success. I don't know. I, you know, the, the jury is obviously still out until we actually see the product on the court. I have hope. I I like these transfers and maybe he can kind of create that, that a better nucleus and maybe bring these guys that are here on campus already. Mike Anderson's, Mike Anderson's guys, maybe bring them along a little bit, I mean, but you never- I have a,
0: Oh, sorry. Sorry. I meant to I was going to say uh, you have Isaiah Joe and Mason Jones. I think those guys are pretty good. Uh, yeah. too punch at guard.
1: Yeah. And, you know, the wing, the outside, they look like they're they're really solid. One of the issues I have is they don't have anybody above six, eight inside. Oh. And um, that's kind of scary when, when you're talking about the SEC, who's going to have some pretty good bigs inside. They're going, you know, they play a little bit more physical. Some teams do inside when you don't have. When you don't have the muscle, the size, the strength, to play inside, there's some teams that are going to absolutely roast you in this conference, and I'm kind of concerned about that. And the overall talent on the team, where are they at? You know, is it is it a complete rebuild for Eric Musselman, or is it he just kind of needs to add some pieces, which I think it's that half. I think it's the second half. I think he just needs to add some pieces. But, yeah, there's there's some concern, especially with the size, the physicality. They, they weren't aggressive last year. Let's be real. They weren't. No, no.
0: Not not the you know, you Mike Anderson had that mantra of if you see me and I fight with a bear, you better help that bear. Well, sorry, but there was a lot of times where I mean you were getting beat, you know, and you needed you actually needed help, not the bear. Yeah. And so I think you come to a point now with the pace and space offense, and I'll get to my point here real quick before we get to the transfer deal. This pace and space offense is kind of brings you to an NBA more type of offense, I think. Uh, Something you'll see with like the likes of Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and uh, who was their forward they had um, down low? Uh, The guy I can't stand. Hmm. Uh, I can see him. I can see his face, but I can't just think of him. We'll just we'll just go on and uh, but he's not he's not seven foot he's like a six eight or six nine guy and the NBA has moved on to a positionless uh, pace really a a positionless kind of roster uh, offensively so I mean and and before Kevin Durant got there I mean you had four guards in a power four basically playing on the Golden State Warriors is that something you'll look forward to with Arkansas next year? Or, you know, will it kind of flame out? and You'll have to have a big man. You know, that's yeah, the
1: question here. I, I, and that's the thing about the NBA. It's, it's sometimes difficult to compare. It's like comparing apples and oranges. You know, obviously the NBA is levels ahead as far as coaching and talent and everything on the court for obvious reasons. But they are shifting away. The NBA is shifting away from a true, like, center, like a true big man league, unlike what it was back in the 90s. Or even the, Draymond the, Green. Third, Draymond Green. That's yes. You're sitting there saying that. And I I know that name crossed my mind. I wasn't entirely sure. I didn't want to sound stupid. But uh, <laughs> I haven't really paid a whole – it's been – you know, Celtics are uh, – I'm a Celtics fan, and I've just – I've really struggled with keeping up with, with the NBA when they're not as no good judgment. as they really should be. But, yeah, I, I – the NBA, is they shift – Kind of like what you said, they're shifting away from positionless basketball and, you know, on the offensive side anyways, and nobody plays defense.
2: No, in, not maybe in NBA.
1: NBA. it's, it's just, you know, I don't know. It's just become a shoot the three league Pick up basketball. It is. And that's, I think we kind of all saw this coming. Uh, years down the road, we all kind of saw this coming, and it's, it's only getting worse, and now you have the formation. I, I've always been a believer if you've always had super teams in the NBA. I mean, you know, let's not forget Rodman, Pippen, and Jordan, and, you know, we can go on with the list with several teams throughout the, especially the, in the 90s. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, well, you had the big three, you know, KG, yeah. Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, and then they added Rondo from Kentucky. But They were fun to watch. Fun to watch. It was a good time to be a Celtics fan. But, I, you know, I, I wish – I wish Arkansas had someone inside, some sort of presence. And we saw, you know, they did – Arkansas last year did operate well. I'll give them credit without Daniel Gafford inside in the postseason. But that was also in the NITs. These were not great teams you're up against. When you get into SEC play, I think you're going to need some size. You're going to need some physicality, especially inside. Attack the boards, something Mike Anderson never did. They never rebounded. I'm hoping they get some of that with uh, Eric Musselman.
0: And so you get you get transfers like Connor Vanover, Isaiah Moss, and Gentil Silla uh, joining the basketball team. And yep. you have Vanover, who, yes, he has size, and he'll end up having to sit for a year and play in, in 2021. But, I mean, he's a guy that, if unless he gets a waiver, that's the only way he's going to play. And you have Isaiah Moss, who was a 40% shooter for, uh, in just overall field goals, 42% from three, and then you were 80% free throw shooter. And then you had Gentil Silla who put up modest numbers at UNC Wilmington. I think he had like nearly fourteen points a game, but also shot like seventy six percent from the free throw line, somewhere around there around there. So I mean I think that's three solid uh, additions to the Hog basketball team. It's unfortunate you don't have Van Over who's not going to be really a true forward anyway. Yeah. But he's a he's a guy that's going to add you a little bit of size but can also shoot the three at a reasonable rate.
1: Yeah, I so I'm <laughs> Like I said, I did a video on these three. This is my last video that I did. For those of you who haven't go, seen it yet, go check it out. Pig Trail Network on YouTube. Uh, that's my YouTube channel. Closing in on 250,000 total views. I'm really excited about that. But <laughs> I'm ta- I talked about these three, and I thought Jintel Silla, like, of the three, I thought he really – he just kind of got pushed aside after these two guys committed to Arkansas. But, I mean, he's big time. You know, he's, he's at 6'7" borderline six eight you know he looks he's got a muscular build he he looks like he plays with kind of a chip on his shoulder a little bit I'm really excited about him but for Vanover I think I get the excitement you know he's seven foot three and he he, he can't shoot the guy he can actually shoot if you go back and watch his, his videos he's amazing he's got a nice little jump shot not gonna lie or a nice little just kind of just it floats it in there. Doesn't if someone who's seven foot three, you don't expect him to have a pretty shot like what he has. And uh, it's surprising, but I think he needs a year to, to add a little bit of weight to kind of get to know the system a little bit better. I'm okay with him redshirting. I I, I know a lot of people want to see him play this year, but I think he's got a little ways to go. Uh, you know, he's not going to be someone I, I, I don't know. I, someone reached out to me on my channel actually, and said that, uh, I guess they played. I guess they played him in AAU ball, or had a friend that played him in AAU ball down in Little Rock, and said that he's got a dog in him. You can go watch really? that video, and down below the comment section, the, the the gentleman actually commented, and you can read what he said. And he said that he had like a you know we talked about someone having a chip on their shoulder. I guess this guy, I guess Vanover's got a got a little bit of a dog in him. So, um, but I, I think he needs a year to grow, add a little bit of muscle, add some weight, and then for Isaiah Moss. it's interesting when I was doing my research on the guy for the video, I guess he broke some sort of record at Iowa this year where he scored 19 points in like a minute or maybe it was 90 seconds. I found the video on YouTube. It was Isaiah. It said Isaiah Moss, uh, 19 points. I think it was either 19 points in 93 seconds or 19 points in under 60 seconds. But that seems impossible. <laughs> it seems impossible, but I swear to God, I came I'm gonna while we're talking, I'm gonna find it. But I I saw that after I had recorded my video, so I didn't give it a whole lot of of uh credibility. I didn't I didn't even mention it in the video, but because I hadn't done all my you know my due diligence on the video yet for, for that. But that's incredible. If that was true, and I'm pulling it up right now, you can I just
0: that's crazy to me. I mean, I remember seeing Texas A&M, you know, in that NCAA tournament game a couple of years ago where they scored 16 points in the last 90 seconds in a comeback.
1: Yeah. It says here, it's okay, possible. it's uh, Steve Johnson's YouTube channel, 20,000 views, history, never been done before, 19 points in 96 seconds. Wow. Now, it might have been – that's got to be Iowa. Yeah. That has to be Iowa, the team. But, see, when you pull up the video – it's Isaiah Moss's picture. And yes. you'd you think they're flaunting. So maybe it's Iowa, the team. I don't know. But the entire video is just shots of him shooting. Wow. So, I mean, I don't know. If there's, if there's any truth to that, that's absolutely incredible. It yeah. says down below in the description, it says history, never before done, 19 points in 96 seconds. Isaiah Moss of the Iowa Hawkeyes. Yeah scores 19 points in 96 seconds against the minnesota golden bears and that golden,
0: was the one sorry, where he Golders. scored ended up scoring like 24 points that that minnesota was a tournament team last year too guys so that's not against some low uh competition you know
1: yeah i think they did pretty well i think minnesota did pretty well so, that's incredible though yes that was so, on so if you go look it up and maybe i'll leave the link in my on my uh, YouTube channel in the description, but it's Steven, it's Steve Johnson's YouTube channel and it was published February
0: 23rd, 2018. And folks, I will put this, oh, that was the year. I'll put the link up on our Twitter later and let y'all check that out and just see what you're getting with this new Razorback Isaiah Moss. Uh, he had a couple of games where he was just outstanding, uh, including the Tennessee game and the NCAA tournament where I think he scored uh, 16 points in their victory. It was a big victory over Tennessee. Uh, and then no, I was maybe they may have lost that game.
1: I you know I can't remember. I can't. I can't
0: remember. It was either a loss or a win because it was at a phenomenal game. I think it was a. I think it was a win.
1: I don't know. They uh. So yeah, I I couldn't believe that when I found that video because I did that after as I was doing the research on on him and. I saw it, and I didn't believe it. And then I, when I got done with recording my video and getting it all done, I went back, and I, I kind of glossed over it, and it was nothing but highlights of him shooting. And I thought, 19 points. And I'm sorry, I said 60 seconds earlier. It's 96 seconds. That's yeah. still incredible. That's like, a minute. That's, yeah,
0: that's a minute, 36 seconds.
1: That's not too shabby. A real-time I mean, I, basketball. Yeah. Yeah, so – yeah, I, I like these three guys. I really do, and I think they I I do think they bring something to Eric Musselman. Again, I don't think uh, uh, Vanover. I, I'm okay with him having to sit if they get him. Okay, he's got three years to play. If you want to kind of you know use him to get him some court experience and add some depth to the to the bench. Okay, so be it. If you need him in certain situations where you're going up against a team that's really tall and physical, that's the thing though. I don't think he's of all the research I did on Vanover and all the videos I watched he's not really someone who gets real you know lovey-dovey inside you know what I mean like he doesn't get real physical
0: no uh, he doesn't
1: all. crash the boards he doesn't go after rebound I, I I could be wrong he apparently only started I think half the year if I'm not mistaken yes. and then I he think came the last back, three games the last several games he caught on yeah. fire and he 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 did really well so it's there's, there's hope
0: Coaching, yeah. yeah. So we're gonna move on real quick and and talk a little bit about the defensive line uh, that Arkansas's gonna have. They had a, I think I, I believe it was a horrible, uh, horrible deal with what happened to Briston Guidry and him having to retire after his seventh knee surgery. That that is that is way too many knee surgeries. Uh, and for a football player, it's amazing he was still able to play last year after six yeah so yeah, I mean, I think it was an unfortunate loss. I don't know how you feel about it, but uh I mean, he's a guy that I really looked to having a good junior year
1: i'll let you I'll let you go in. I'll let you start with why you think it was like a big loss
0: so Guidry, you know he was he was big time coming out of the uh, archbishop in Mitri, Louisiana. He was a four star prospect a big-time get. I mean, Arkansas had to beat LSU, Alabama, Oklahoma for this guy. And he was, he was somebody that would show glimpses at times, but then all of a sudden he would be hurt. Yeah. And then he'd come back, and he recovered a fumble for a touchdown against Mississippi State. And if you remember in the 2017 home finale... No, it was the it was the game before the home finale against Mississippi State. And he recovered a fumble in the end zone against Mississippi State. And he actually had like eight or nine tackles that game. A fumble recovery in the end zone for a touchdown. The guy, uh, moran Watts, uh, said that he had to have been the luckiest guy because every time Arkansas had a fu- uh, forced fumble, he would be he would be the one finding it in the end zone for a touchdown. He's a right. guy I think was aggressive. It was just unfortunate that the knees would uh, not hold up for him.
1: Was he, yeah, and, I, and it is terrible. It's terrible that he's had so many surgeries, and I kind of, I didn't realize it was that many, but I do remember him being in and out of, you know, not being able, or not being able to play because of injuries, and the surgeries kind of came along, and I I get anytime you have a guy that's as highly recruited, and I for, I forgot how highly touted he was, you know, he chose arkansas it was over uh, lsu and he had you know alabama oklahoma i mean he had legitimate offers you know That's he true. wasn't he wasn't one of those like 6'5 270 pounds dns you know with 500 offers he was 6'2 i think it was 6'2", 6'2 290 290 so he was pretty heavy on the weight but he was a little bit shorter yeah as far as length kind um, of more like a darius Thelon. Yeah. yeah um so I you know he's he's one of those kind of compact and if I remember right, they moved him around a little bit on the defensive line as yeah. well, yeah, um, he just never really broke through, and I think a lot of it had to do with injuries. I don't think it's as as big of a deal as maybe some people believe it's it is a it's a loss anytime you lose someone off the depth, you know off your depth chart, and this is a guy that was probably gonna rotate as a starter, I mean he was gonna rotate you know, at least as a two or three, you know, God willing, if he could stay healthy, obviously it didn't happen. So he chose to retire. So, you know, you've got at that position, I mean, you have, like I said, you've got, you've got depth there. They brought in a lot of freshmen that, that 2018 class, 2019 class combined, you brought in a lot of guys at that spot. You're going to have McTelvin, a game, TJ Smith, Jonathan Marshall, just to name some guys, you're going to have experience and some, I think, okay. Talent inside, I get it. Guy Drew's older. Um, you know, he's he was recruited really high out of high school, and you always kind of hold out hope that someone like that's going to come out and just have a ball in season, kind of like what Armand Watts did his last year at Arkansas. But I, I just don't think Guy Drew was anybody that was going to get a whole lot of time on the field this year. And I honestly think eventually he was going to get pushed back by some of these uh, other defensive linemen, the younger guys, right? Um, as he was already starting to sink on that depth chart. So I don't think it's as big of a loss, but it is any, like I said, anytime you lose somebody depth wise of his, with his background, with his experience, it's, it's a loss. And defensive line, we know is a position that Chad Morris has had to rebuild, just like what right. he's going to have to do with the offensive line. And I thought he should have, I really thought he should have added some more O linemen in that last class, but, um, He's got a lot of rebuilding to do, and the defensive line was one of them, and losing guys like that is is definitely no good. Absolutely.
0: So these guys are coached by Steve Caldwell and the new uh, defensive tackles coach, Kenny Ingram, who is from the Memphis area. And so he has a lot of uh, recruiting territory there. And if I'm not mistaken, Memphis is pretty heavy when it comes to D1 prospects. And those guys are literally right at your front porch. Yeah, so, yeah. Memphis
1: has got to be that area, and, and you know, it has to be an area not just for basketball that they need to go in and bombard recruiting wise, but they need to football. It needs to become a, a priority alongside with Texas and you know the other surrounding states. You want you want Arkansas to kind of put in it, you know, Tulsa and Northern Louisiana, and if there happens to be somebody in Missouri, like I get, you know, the bordering states and Texas, but Memphis which is also, I mean, we know how close it is to Arkansas. It's got to be an area right. for that very reason, because of how close it is, it needs to be an area you can walk into and, and, um, get, you know, get the better options, get the, get the kind of pick a choice, you know, over, and you've got Tennessee. You're going to have to deal with, uh, Memphis has, believe it or not, they have recruit, they recruit their backyard pretty well. And then obviously Vanderbilt has recruited Memphis pretty well. So you need to kind of need to plant your flag there. And I, I, Right. It looks like, I think, I haven't looked, but they had several offers out on some kids out of Memphis last couple There's of years. a lot of kids.
0: There's a lot of kids in Memphis that are on after. I mean, that's another topic for another day. Yeah. A lot of it's offensive linemen and and I think running backs and wide receivers and linebackers, uh, the major targets in Memphis right now. But, I mean, as far as our defensive line right now, I've got it divided up with the guys that are returning in the new seven defensive lineman uh, that we've added. You have the defensive ends, which you had Dorian Gerald, who was the number one defensive end in the uh, Juco, Juco ranks yep. last year. Oh, my gosh. This guy really ended up blowing up, I think, at the end of last year, and he shows you the potential of what we could expect with him. You have a guy like Gabe Richardson, who I think was an under-recruited guy, but I still don't think he's there yet. He's going to be a junior. You had Nick full Fullwider, who is going to be a redshirt freshman uh, this coming season, who he's out of Georgia, uh, was a guy that was committed, I think, to somebody in the ACC. I think it was North Carolina. And then all of a sudden jumped back on the Arkansas train when the new coaching staff, I think, was John Scott Jr., who was his lead recruiter. He ended up being retained last season under this uh, staff and was able to get this full water kid. Then you have Jamario Bell. He is another four-star guy out of Junction City, Arkansas, the 2A football powerhouse. And then you have David Porter out of Joe T. Robinson. He's These are your defensive ends that are returning. And so we'll kind of break down these guys. What do you think about Gerald and the rest of this defensive end
1: group? Well, Dorian Gerald, I don't know why, like, if if someone, if a Juco guy comes in and he doesn't have a great first year, they, like, they think that he's – just not any good. I don't understand that. And, uh, you know, you, you remember Montrell Spade comes yeah. in his first year. He's on the field a lot, but he's out of position. You kind of wonder about like, can he cover <laughs> what Is it? What is, what value does, does he bring? And then the next year, I mean, the guy gets drafted. He has such a good yeah. year the field and he was drafted. I, I, you know, he was drafted on film, not because of what he did at the NFL combine. I don't even remember what he did at the combine. But the guy had a good last year at Arkansas. So I think Dorian Gerald, could maybe bring that i really like what they're doing at the defensive end spot i wonder with monte al soli the kid out of georgia who's got family ties to the university uh, i wonder if they don't end up moving him around a little bit he's a yeah. little light for someone gonna you know at the at the at this level but in the spring game I thought he looked really good. He was on the field quite a bit. He was in on some plays. He didn't look like a true freshman to me. Yeah. So I'm excited about him. But, yeah, Mom. Dorian Gerald, I think – he. who knows? I I may be wrong, you know, but I, I really like Dorian Gerald. He's got the size, the strength. I think he's got decent technique, and, and he's, he's just got it written on him as someone who could possibly come out his last year at Arkansas because this is his final year. He only had two to play, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Um, I think he could come out and have a Montreal Spate kind of year where he, he's at least good enough. Maybe he gets, maybe he gets. I'm not gonna say he gets drafted, but maybe free agent or, or something like that. Maybe he goes that route. But the rest of that position, I mean, you know, we talked about Memphis. Uh, they did bring in uh, Eric Gregory was from Memphis. I forgot yes. all about him. The IMG Academy kid. He is
0: going to be so good.
1: He's I gonna think. be good, man. He's got it written all over him to be really good. Uh, but I, I like that addition. Uh, Enoch Jackson, even though he's you know, he's that six-foot, 300-pound kind of guy, I wonder if he Funny. can kind of anchor the defensive line. I like him. I already <laughs> mentioned uh, Matiel Soli, Torin Carter, 6'3", 265 out of Mansfield, Texas. Like They are loaded with young, good talent. Well, we think good. You know, Again, yeah. it's on paper. But they're loaded with star power on that defensive line. The Soli. last couple of years, they have killed it.
0: Sully looks just like a guy that can explode off the defensive line. I think he's a guy at the end. If you want guys that are going to attack the quarterback, these are the guys you're going to want to get. You know? Yeah.
1: You have I, to I have wish speed rushers. They have him listed at 230, I think, in the in the program. Because, you know, I was at the yeah. spring game and I think they had him listed at 230. He looked to me like two. You know, I'm not going to split hairs, but he didn't look 200. He looked way lighter. He, he looked, looked real, thin. I thought. Yeah, yeah um, maybe – and he'll play. I think he'll play with how much he contributed in that spring yeah. game. I highly doubt they redshirt him. But uh, that's why I think they may move him maybe to, to somewhere at linebacker. Or they could keep him there. I, I don't know. But he's – yeah, he, he looks pretty ahead of schedule for an right. incoming freshman. So,
0: And don't forget about Warren's Marcus Miller. You remember oh, uh, yeah. Terrence Cody that played for Alabama back in 2009, 2008, yeah. 9, and 10? Mm -hmm. He was an absolute monster. I think he looks like a guy that could really make a difference. I don't know if they're going to redshirt him or not, but I think he's a guy that you could stuff right in the middle on special teams and (laughs) block kicks.
1: Are you comparing him to to Cody from Alabama? I'm
0: not comparing him to Cody, but he's (laughs) he's a kind of a guy that he's kind of got the same kind of build, just a little bit, maybe about 30 pounds smaller, but he's got the height. (laughs) To
1: yeah, he's it. what is he six five six five and a half, something like yeah. that 300 pounds. He's, pounds. I, I, yeah, you can't you can't talk about defensive line class and not mention Warren that or uh, him out of Warren. That's yeah. a that's a I, I like him. I thought he really could have, I'm surprised he didn't get more offers, really. But yeah, I do, I do like him a lot.
0: I think it's because a lot of these kids committed early on that they didn't get any more offers. Yeah,
1: you know? that's true. Yeah. Yeah, and then you had, uh, staying on topic with the defensive line class, we, co- we also can't forget, 6'4", 235-pound out of Little Rock, Mr. Zach Williams, uh, hey. Joe T. Robinson. Another
0: Razorback legend. Yeah. Or not legend, but legacy player. Legacy guy, He's, yeah. Yeah, like there's so many guys in this class that were legacy players. His dad, Ricky, was a linebacker for the U of A back in the 90s.
1: I think, well, yeah, the early mid nineties, yeah.
0: Yeah, he was a player. I think he was all CC or South No, it was Southwest Conference at the time that he played. So he I, these guys have the pedigree to, to help Arkansas return back to maybe a seven, eight, nine win team later on in their careers. Not right now. This I mean this team's not gonna be a six win, seven, eight win team next year.
1: Yeah, we, we're the closer we get to the regular season, uh, maybe we'll just, we'll give our predict predictions on the season, but yeah, they're uh, I'm with you. I think they're a little ways away from seven, eight, nine wins right now. But this defensive line class, like, and this is what I loved about Brett Bielema. I know that's that's like a name that love like, <laughs> you're not supposed to say that name, he who shall not be sp- named or whatever from Harry Potter. How'd that go? He who shall not be named or should yes. not be mentioned, whatever. Yes. I'm, I probably just triggered a whole bunch of Harry Potter fans, but he's, we'll he's not a name you're supposed to mention, but Brett Bielema, the one thing that he did do, and I liked his approach, was developing from the inside out. And this is the approach that Chad Morris took when he, when he you know, went out and recruited all these defensive linemen, and he did kind of bring some some guys on the offensive line. I still debate that maybe he should have brought in some more if they could have somehow made room or – They've also got linebackers they got to worry about, and all these all these positions they have to build. So it kind of, I guess, you kind of have to get away from building from the inside out. Now you're just you're trying to fill what you need the most right now. But this defensive line class was very, very impressive.
0: I mean, you have 18 guys that can rotate along the defensive line next year.
1: Is it that many? Holy
0: cow! Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. There is there was, let's see, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and then you add. 11 and that is and when you subtract Gidry, which I don't have him that makes 18 defensive linemen for next year
1: So, and I, and I'll end on this with the defensive line class I've I mentioned this a lot with the linebackers and I think I mentioned on the last podcast You know filling that linebacker spot up with quality depth not just depth but quality depth Yes, and I think they're slowly getting there with you know The addition of bumper pool and Zach Zymos at the linebacker position, but you still feel like they're they're paper thin there with yes. the de- defensive line uh, you feel like now, okay, the future's pretty bright there they're bright the future's bright at the defensive line spot because they have like you just mentioned seventeen eighteen guys they're gonna be able to rotate now they probably will redshirt some of these guys you're gonna have injuries you're gonna have those kinds of things, and right. they're also freshmen yes. so down the road you're going to have these guys as sophomores juniors and seniors and you're going to have the experience and hopefully hopefully the development along along the ways they're going to be developed and then you're going to have these guys to really lean on and you know when you talk about miller out of warren or or Mateo soli or you know the list goes on you're going to have names where you're like oh well yeah he had you know he had like eight Power Five offers. He was highly recruited. He had, you know, Alabama offered him, Georgia offered him. Like you actually have something that Arkansas hasn't had in a while, which is quality depth along the line of scrimmage, or well, at yep. least on the defensive side so far. Yep. But I'll, so,
0: anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that incredible, incredible segment there. Uh, really looking forward to see what the defensive line does. So we asked a question earlier and, and made out a poll, and we gave y'all four options, and y'all chose. Uh, what Arkansas baseball postseason predictions might be. And I pulled up, uh, I really respect these guys on Twitter, College Baseball Nation. If you don't already follow them, follow them now, because these guys, they're the real deal. They have everything you can think of as far as uh, tournament predictions and uh, where they think people are going to be seated. They have RPIs and uh, everything you need to... Uh, to really understand what, what uh, college baseball, what the College World Series is going to give the regionals, the super regionals. I, I really like these guys. So, they have Arkansas as a three seed in the NCAA tournament. Don't confuse this with the SEC tournament. Arkansas is the number two seed in the SEC tournament. Yep. But, in the regional, Arkansas, Florida Atlantic, Virginia Commonwealth, and Norfolk State. I don't know enough about these three teams to really say, okay, Arkansas may be in a hard regional, but this is not the regional where you had last year where they had Oral Roberts, Missouri State, and who else did they have in that regional last year? Oh, but gosh. it seems like every year we always had to play Missouri State, and it sucks. Yeah. Because Missouri State is so good every single year, and they've become a baseball rivalry. I know people on Twitter are going to blow me up about this, but Missouri State, when it comes to baseball, is a rivalry because there's been so many great games, whether it's been in the regular season or in the postseason. Arkansas has had good competition with them.
1: Yeah, I, I would argue postseason play, they're a rivalry. I, I don't know, like... Obviously, toe to toe, they're not. They don't play the level of talent that we do, and they're. Let's be real. They're not in the SEC. They're not in a Power Five conference, and everybody wants a rivalry to be respectable. But postseason wise, these guys have the respect. Um oh, yeah. we have their hitting coach. Their hitting coaches from there. Yeah, isn't, isn't that where that was? It the pitching coach or the hitting coach they got? It was from? the hitting. It was the hitting coach. So I mean, obviously they they <laughs> they know how to go out and grab assistants and and uh, and coaches. Right. So. And I'm sure Arkansas is not the only team to to subtract from their or you know to to build onto their staff from from their staff. So they are a respectable college baseball program, and I get what you're saying. I, I completely agree. I think they're a I think they're a decent or really good postseason rivalry for Arkansas. And if, Hog fans are just so sick of seeing these guys. But um, yeah, I, I agree. And also. To mention about your web the website college baseball it's college baseball info. Nation. Oh, okay, nation. My bad. Yeah, college but college baseball nation. That's right. I pull up their URL and it's. it's I read it wrong. <laughs> it is. You're right. College baseball nation. Yeah.
0: So I really think Arkansas may have a pretty good shot at repeating as regional champions in Bayville and going on to a super regional that could be hard. And I don't really know how uh Arkansas Super Regional will be will look because I mean you can't look that far into the future, obviously. But I think Arkansas has
1: a favorable schedule as a three seed. Yeah, you can't um it, it's just like basketball, man. I mean the higher the seeding, the better your your placement and the you know, the little bit easier path to get to where you want to be is, you know, for obviously for baseball, it's getting to Omaha, so you know, being a three seed is, is not a bad place to be. It's uh, no. I, I wish they could be a one or two. That'd be great, you know, but uh yeah. it is what it is. You gotta look. take what you can get. Yeah. I mean
0: Arkansas, they have a chance to really push the issue as it comes to baseball and I'm really looking forward to seeing what they have. They're getting hot at the right time, whether you like it or not. Texas A and M did beat us, but you have to look. We played a team that their RPI was around three or less. A and M's was. I mean RPI, not RPI, uh, ERA. Oh, okay. their their okay. team ERA, wondering. yeah, their team ERA was phenomenal. Yeah, and Arkansas really put it to them. And they hit five home runs in the first game, and then they really went cold. But that just shows you how deep their pitching is, and how suspect ours is a little bit outside of Isaiah Campbell.
2: Yeah,
0: but when your bats are hot, you may be able
1: to overcome pitching. I think, you know, first off, Texas A&M at home. I, I, maybe I heard wrong. I don't think they lose very often at home. No. And that's, that is the case around the sec and anywhere in college baseball, like you have home, you know, it's no different than any other sport. You have home field advantage, but in the sec, I think you have to, you got to really account for that. And, and I, I think Arkansas's pitching is better than what people think that it is. And that was one of the biggest complaints was Arkansas gave up too many hits and too many runs, but we're not talking about like the errors. Didn't they have two errors in game three? I don't know how many they had game one and two. Like those are, that's not one error in a game is too many. And I think they had two in game three. I, I could be wrong, but Connor Nolan pitched his rear end off. The guy pitched, now, maybe you have the, the numbers on that. He pitched at least four or five innings. I think it was five and a half. Five and a half. I think he gave up. If you've got all the numbers, feel free to share them. But he put up. A, he had a pretty good game. And I think day two, It's it's been middle relief that's been a little shaky. And closers have been a little, you know, not as solid as we'd hoped. They're still good. I, I think overall their pitching is good. Obviously, hitting was the biggest concern this weekend. But it's not like we gave up. You know these weren't high-scoring games. No, you hit five homers in game one. I think they're okay. It was they're on the road. They at least didn't get swept. That's all I was asking. Please, God, don't get yes. swept this weekend. Don't go over two in the uh, SEC tournament, and they're going to be fine. And even if they go zero and two, this was from Phil Ellis himself. Uh, well, now hold on, I might have to backtrack. It was either Phil Ellis or uh, what's his name from D1Baseball.com that's always on the radio. Around. Kendall Rogers. Uh, Kendall Rogers. Both of them, if I'm not mistaken, it said Arkansas is in a really good place. No matter what happens, no matter how right. the rest of the season goes, and how postseason, how the SEC tournament goes, I think they're in good, good shape. Um, so, Connor baseball went America. Four, oh, sorry. I was gonna say baseball America really quick. They do have right now. They have. They also have Arkansas at a three seed with Creighton, Connecticut, and Nebraska uh, playing in their. That's a pretty solid regional yeah so uh,
0: connor nolan pitched 4.1 innings for five hits gave up three runs it looks yeah. like. that's not and great one, but one earned run
1: was it one earned run okay yeah i still think he's had a pretty good season i think especially from the halfway point on he's been a lot better i mean yes. there for a little while i mean they were talking about he's not he's not a starting pitcher and I think he's developed into a starting pitcher. I thought he did. I didn't realize he gave up that many hits and that many runs. But you know, I think he's still in pretty good shape. As long as these guys stay in that killer mode that they've been in since well, I mean, since the beginning of the season. If they stay in attack mode behind the plate, they're gonna be just fine. I mean they're right. how many how many players do they have hitting above, you know, three hundred? I think there were seven in the starting lineup. Three, four, five, six. Yeah, you're right, seven. And uh, Curtis Washington at a 414, but he's also only got like not even 50 at-bats yet. But yeah. um, they're in really good shape behind the plate. I mean, they're hitting the ball well. I think their starting pitching is is just fine. Miller Relief is a little shaky, but I think they're going to be in good shape. I really – I made this bold prediction to my dad, and I said, I, I really feel like they're going to go to Omaha again, and I think they're going to play in the championship again.
0: Right. I, I completely agree. I, can, I, I thought since day one, when the season started, I said Arkansas's, Arkansas's got the stuff.
1: Gosh, they do. And even though they're young, and that was my thing coming into the year, like, ah, uh, you know, is, is Isaiah Campbell, what are we going to get out of him this year? Yep. If he's at least a peg better than what we saw last year. Like last year, the guy couldn't go four innings um without then just kind of falling apart and we've yep. seen it seems like every time he takes the mound he's earning more and more money he's been solid connor nolan has developed into a decent starter their middle relief has been shaky but when they're on they're on they're behind the plate we can we can talk about Goodhart, heart cursed dad and, and fletcher but then you know casey martin who moves over to shortstop he's been a baller I mean, he's batting right. what, like 311 he's a hell of a defender like he's a hell of a shortstop. I mean, he's they they're they're solid through and through. They have more games won compared to last year. More strikeouts, more scores, more earned runs. They're just they're they're actually better than the team that went to the College World Series championship last year. Right. So, absolutely. They I, I think they're in really good shape. I'm not saying they're going to win it all and and but I do feel like they're going to at least get back to Omaha. Yeah.
0: Well, man, I know you have Game of Thrones to watch soon, so I'm going to, we're going to get off of here guys. And uh, man, we enjoyed it. Ty, I think this is another great episode of the hog talk podcast. And I really can't wait till the next one. Yeah. I mean, this is what I look forward to on Sundays.
1: Yeah. It was, it's always good. It's always, uh, it's kind of my wife to give me the hour, hour and a half for you and I to sit down and do this on Sundays. But wives are gracious. Yeah. Yeah. And I have a whole, you know, my whole bedroom turned into a studio and 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 uh she kind of lets me just go into my own little world when i come in here she she right. leaves me be so it's i'm very uh she's awesome i don't know if she's, she's sometimes she'll listen to these shows uh, if she's listening thank you sarah thank you so much for giving us this sort of time and shout out to
0: my wife caitlin who i hope will be listening which i think she listened last week she said she did but shout out to my <laughs> wife caitlin for letting Hi, me caitlin. Uh, be able to do this So, Ty, we're going to get off of here for now. This is Jacob, and this is Ty Hudson from uh, the Hog Talk podcast inside the Yellow Jacket Drive-In Studios. Good night, y'all, and woo pig. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Yellow Jacket Drive-In Studios. This is the Hog Talk podcast. And we're here joined by Porter Hayes of Sports and Culture. Welcome to the show, buddy. How you doing tonight?
2: Doing good, son. Doing good. I
0: appreciate you letting me come on. Man, I I'm very glad. Uh man, I just wanna know what what are you guys at sports and culture about? You're you this is kind of like the first time I've ever heard of anything.
2: Like, you know, what are you guys about? Sports and culture, basically. We we, we kinda go outside the box with our articles and blogs. we It's in its name, sports and culture. We try to mix a little bit of both. And, you know, because sports and culture mix together. It's a perfect combination. And you go to different regions around the United States and everybody has a different culture. You know, college football is big in the South, but it not not be as big good in the Northeast. So what we really try to do is just go outside the box. Look for those stories that not everybody's covering and, and not everybody has those takes. And uh, so we expanded to Sports and Culture Arkansas because of that same fact, uh, the women's basketball team having a huge impact in Greenville, South Carolina. That's where Sports and Culture is based out of. So me and Tyler Butler, the, the founder of Sports and Culture, kind of collaborated together, and we wanted to expand. So what I'm doing is I'm going out and trying to find those stories in Arkansas that, that shed some light on people who normally don't get the limelight. Right, and there,
0: there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. I, that, that is very interesting. I mean, you just finished an article today about Morgan Hanna, who is a walk on. Was he a linebacker walk on, preferred walk on out of Greenwood, Arkansas? Had a fantastic interview with him. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that, and and what you're trying to do with sports and culture, with uh, especially with Morgan Hanna.
2: Basically, with with Morgan, uh, I wanted to start out with kind of going from an in-state kid and what it means to, from a recruit standpoint, but yet, you know, bringing the parent side of it too, because, you know, the mother and the father are just as important and they're stressed and they're going through the same process, just different angles. So what I did with that was talk to Morgan and his mother about how the recruiting process started you know what it was like for them to try to juggle the school and practice and football. You know, playing in the state finals along with hey, I've got to go to these these visits to these schools. So that's what I did with there, and and then to top it off, I want to make it a journey and kind of follow him from when he's going to U of A all the way up to his senior year, trying to you know everybody just sees the story of his growth, and I was really really impressed with the kid. I talked to him for about 15, 20 minutes. I mean name another teenager that would give up 30 minutes of their day the day they graduated high school to make sure that he found time to give you the article that you wanted. And humble, this is the most humble kid I've ever met. Yeah,
0: Morgan, Morgan is a not a slouch at all either. I, he is a incredible football player. He even, I think he had an offer from Alabama too as a preferred walk-on. So, I mean, schools around the country knew of this guy. He wasn't getting the FBS uh, FBS is what you would think guys like uh, like him. I mean, he has the height, he has the size. I mean, he has a lot of uh, growing into his body uh, left to do. But he's a guy that even Nick Saban and his uh, uh, coordinators and his recruiting uh, recruiters out there and assistant coaches, I mean, those guys saw his talent. So, the kid, I think Arkansas got a pretty good one. And showing that he's being loyal to his in-state school and giving the Arkansas a chance as a per, uh, preferred walk-on, I think it's a big deal with Morgan. And You talked to his mom. I think uh, she even had you reach out to Tyler Wilson, you said? Yeah. Earlier in the yeah. day when we were talking, you said Tyler Wilson and uh, Drew Morgan. Was that who you said you talked to?
2: Yes, I reached out to both of them and, and was going to get their aspect, but in in talking with Morgan, it was like, the 30 minutes that he gave me, I was like, man, I don't need the that outside aspect or the perspective, you know, from the coaches and former players. I he, the way he talked to me in my own perspective of how he is, his character, and how he works. I mean, the moment he committed to Arkansas, he was already in the gym at five o'clock in the morning working out. You know, his his biggest downfall they they said his negative was his size. So you know, he dedicated him. Self to the gym on his own to get in the gym and already try to get stronger and faster. And the, the biggest takeaway from the interview was, you know, I asked him who did he look up to or who did he idolize when he was younger and, and without even hesitation he said no one. You know, he wants to be his, the best version of him he can be. And if he idolizes or looks up to someone, it takes away from who he wants to be. And that was the biggest impression i got i think comparable to you know he's going to be like that bumper pool and that tony bua that that he has a lot of heart but yet he has a lot of talent too and i think razorback fans are gonna they're gonna know who this kid is in the next couple of years
0: i mean arkansas they're short on linebacking uh their linebacker they don't have much talent i mean they have a bodies but they don't have the talent that that arkansas had in previous years so so having Morgan Hanna as a walk on, at a preferred walk on spot, uh, I think he has the opportunity to uh, maybe even get a scholarship in the future. That's the difference between preferred walk ons and just regular walk ons. So Morgan has a chance to gain an offer, kind of like uh, Grant Morgan too. So you know, you you're from Clemson. You're you're well, not really from Clemson, but you followed the Clemson uh, era as far as the Terry Bowden years and I don't know how far you talked about earlier, you Terry Bowden. We, we talked a little bit at the Dabo and before, uh, uh, Chad Morris got to Clemson and the difference that Chad Morris made, what was the era at Clemson like before and after Chad
2: Morris got there? Well, you no, know, I've always loved Clemson. Um, my dad, he's from South Carolina. He lives, you know, 20 miles from the campus and, you know, I used to spend my summers as a kid all the way up till I graduated high school all, throughout the whole summer in, in South Carolina in Pickens County. And, you know, the early years, I mean, it was, the programs was very comparable to Arkansas. I mean, they were always had that chance to every couple years, make a, make a point or get up to that conference championship game. And they would always seem to, you know, do something to not make it and, they even had the term Clemsoning because they would always seem to fall short, never get over that hump. And, you know, with, with Tommy Bowden, you know, he, he would always find a way to beat his dad at Florida state. And I think that's what, you know, kept his job as long as it did. But I mean, it all happened by chance because, you know, here comes along a, a assistant coach, you know, he's not an offensive coordinator, he's not even a defensive coordinator. He was just a offensive coach and, you know Terry Don Phillips, which he played for Arkansas. You know he gave Dabo that chance, and when they hired him, it was like a degrade. You know they were laughing when they right. hired, him. and then he goes out and finds Chad Morris from from Tulsa. You know, and you know with Dabo, you it, it, you got to build that foundation, and he started that foundation with Chad Morris, and then Chad Morris went out and found Deshaun Watson. You know, and look what that took off, but. You know, it was just that spark that Deshaun Watson brought, but, you know, Taj Boyd really started that program rolling at, at Clemson. Yes. You know, a lot of people forget about that. And. And a lot of people forget about, you know, what Taj Boyd did for Clemson. You know, they only think of Deshaun Watson. And so, Chad Morris really come in and and brought a new style of offense that really got Clemson over that hump.
0: Yeah, and you know, a lot of people I've asked a lot of people the same questions whether they were from SMU or or Clemson, and you know, a lot of Arkansas fans they they are hungry for a winner. Does Chad Morris have the opportunity to have the same same kind of success as he had at Clemson when he was there as an offensive coordinator?
2: be honest yes yes he does because you've got to think what clemson was and we're arkansas yes and with the recruiting it's all about recruiting well in clemson you've got a battle against georgia you've got georgia georgia tech nc state south carolina and auburn alabama within a two three four hour drop i mean you're fighting against all those recruits and it's like I said earlier, you know, you build that foundation. and They let him get his coordinators and build his coaches around him. That's kind of like what, you know, Dabo did at Clemson. You know, he built that family. And I think the biggest negative to that is, is everybody thinks because he's from Clemson, he can automatically do what Dabo did. And there's only one Dabo. And that's a lot of pressure on him. Look at how many coordinators that have, come out from underneath Sabin who haven't really, you know, showed that success. I mean, you had the one-off with Kirby Smart. Look at all the coordinators that have left Bill Belichick's reigns, and they went on to become their own head coach. Not many of them are are successful. So the Razorback Nation's got to be a little bit more patient and let him build that foundation. And I know that's the last thing they want to hear right now. Um, and honestly, my, my true take is just, if it wasn't for the fact that you're you're missing in all three sports other than baseball coming out. But, you know, that pop fly had a big play in in that, here we go again, here Charlie Brown kicked this football. Oh, there it's gone. I mean, that had a huge part in it. So they're just hungry for somebody to come in and win. And because he has those ties with Dabo, they, they automatically think he's going to get them to the top. But it took Dabo seven years to get Clemson where it is rolling. So it's going to take a couple of years.
0: Absolutely. I, I think that Chad is a is a good head coach. I think a good head coach puts great assistance around him, and that's what he's doing right now. He's got a good defensive ends coach and and Steve Caldwell, a guy that uh, a defensive coordinator. Jane, I mean, a guy named John Chavis. I mean, one of the best defensive coordinators in the history of college football. And then you you go to the offensive side, and these guys have been loyal to each other throughout. Throughout the whole 10-year Chad Morris, whether it was Joe Craddock as or uh, or Justin Steph, these guys are doing a fantastic job recruiting. So I mean, it takes time, uh, especially, and you have to be patient. I mean, but once you get guys in the program two or three years down the road, I think Arkansas can return to what they were, or at least at least a eight to nine win team yearly. I mean, that's what they were under Houston Nut. Yeah, that was 10 years ago in Arkansas and the SEC. It's a lot tougher now than it was back then. But you have some schools going down uh right now that may not be as good 3 years down the road.
2: Yeah, so I- and, and that's awesome because you know, it it can happen. And Arkansas done it with Houston. Nutt. They've done it with Bobby Petrino, you know, the you uh, the thing is, look at the look at Houston Nutt Look at Bobby Petrino. The biggest main factor was that in-state recruits. Yes, I know Ryan Mallett was – I mean, he went and played at Michigan and then come back, but he was still from Arkansas. And then, of course, with Houston Nutt, you know, he had the Springdale Five and then D-Mac, And, you know, Peyton Hillis was a beast out of Conway. So, I mean, it's – what you build that foundation with the coaches, you do the same thing with your players. You build those in-state kids – and then go from there, because if you can't get your in-state kids, who is going to want to come from out-of-state and play? I mean, that's right. that's big. Um, and also, man, uh, with Texas A&M and Missouri coming to the SEC, that really kind of hurt, you know, getting what little you could get out of Texas and Oklahoma. With those two teams coming in SEC, I mean, that had a huge, huge factor in it. But – you know when you got a coach and coach Beeluma that goes down to Texas and says, "Well, your style isn't what we're going to work with." That set the program back 10 years and Absolutely. is proving right now. Yeah.
0: Well, Porter, we're going to get off of here for the night. Man, uh you you're invited back anytime, buddy. And I'm glad you're part of the Hog Talk second episode. So, uh man, good luck on what you do with Sports and Culture and I can't wait to have you
2: back on, bud. Hey, anytime, man. I'm I'm a phone call away. I love being on this show. I love what y'all do. I've listened to your podcast, and I love y'all's takes. And I'm I'm very honored to be a part of it. So anytime, man.
0: Thanks, buddy. Uh, Razorback fans, this was the Hog Talk podcast interview with Sporting Cultures' uh, Porter Hayes. Man, y'all tune in next week. Episode number three will be on at 9 a.m., on tuesday so again thank y'all for tuning in tonight this is jacob davis we're signing out shelby taylor trucking has been around grant county and sheridan arkansas for well over 50 years they've given you the opportunity to clear your land collect timber and they have developed all over grant county and sheridan arkansas you need deer land call shelby taylor trucking need to clear land for a house call shelby taylor trucking shelby Bobby, and all the guys at Shelby Taylor Trucking are ready to help you out with all your timber needs. Call them today, 942-7288. At McCoy Tiger Drug, they are your one-stop shop for all your needs, whether it's prescriptions, jewelry, t-shirts, and more. You can get it all here. They have your shingles, pneumonia, tetanus, and all shots under the sun, and all the prescription drugs you need. At 821 North Rock Street in Sheridan, Arkansas, Sparky, Casey, and the whole gang are ready to assist you in all your needs. Called in today at 870-942-5121. The Yellow Jacket Drive-In of Sheridan gives you fast, friendly service and burgers that will please your palates, ice cream that will treat you like no other. Their food is cooked to order and it's definitely not fast food at all. Always fresh and never frozen, the Yellow Jacket Drive-In, located at 100 North Rock Street in Sheridan, Arkansas. Call your order in ahead, 870-942-2486.